Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to all of us. And I'm very happy today to have as our guest, Barry Carl, who is a therapist, a musician, and a somatic sex educator. Welcome, Barry. Thank you, Tom. Great to I'm be really glad show. to have you here. And I guess what I need to ask is to ask you to tell us more about what a somatic sex educator is. This is the area of your work that I, don't, I think people don't understand and I think is important for them to understand. I would agree. I would agree. Um, somatic sex education is, uh, well, first of all, here's the, the word somatic for those who, who don't know, refers to the body. Right. Um, I, I am also a, a somatic therapist, which means that I work with the mind body, but my access is through the body. Um, somatic sex education is very similar to that in that um, I work directly with the body. And there, there are several, uh, I'd say, umbrellas under somatic sex education, the areas that we tend to concentrate on. One is trauma. Um, so many people live with trauma in their bodies and many live with specifically sexual and sexually originated trauma in their bodies. Now, the, the, I think the world's leading figure on uh, working with trauma in the body and PTSD is um, David Berselli, Dr. David Berselli, who um, originated the TRE, Trauma Release Exercise, in working with um, military veterans who'd, who'd been traumatized. And, right. and it, it's his contention and mine as well that trauma lives in the body. You can talk about it till you're blue in the face, but it still lives in the body. Um, and I don't want to go to, into an in-depth explanation of how it lives in the body, but for now, let's just take it as a given that it does. Right. Well, let me uh, also add what I believe from my own personal experience is that it lives for a very long time from when I was a very small child and the trauma occurred till I was in my 40s when I finally got to do some real work that helped release it. That's it absolutely true. How it lasts. Yes, that's absolutely true. Uh, I, I have had clients in their uh, 80s and 90s crying about things that happened in their childhood and early teens. Yes. So, yes. so the trauma is persistent that way. And both as a somatic therapist and as a somatic sex educator, it's my contention that we have to deal with trauma where it lives in order to effectively work with it. Now, what working with it looks like depends on the individual and the kind of trauma that they've sustained, but it always ends up working with, in, in working with the body. Um, right. the, the progenitor of 
uh, somatic therapy, Wilhelm Reich, um, I think said it very well. And he talked about uh, blocks, energetic blocks in the body that prevent the free movement of energy, which um, for our purposes, I will call a benchmark of health, the free flow of energy in the body. And the way he put it very simply is that um, trauma lives in the body in the form of chronic low-level muscular contractions that also in those contractions hold the emotion of the trauma that created them. Mm-hmm. So, so when we work with those blocks in the body and, and they release, uh, the, the free flow of energy is restored in the body and all the energy that we put into holding those blocks together is then released for more constructive purposes. I would imagine that that energy that's holding has to be very strong and, and must be a wonderful release once it's released. It is. It's a significant holding. It's a significant in energy investment. Right. What we're, what we're all defending ourselves from, we're defending our hearts from intolerable feelings yes. that, caused, that caused the insults to our personhood that we carry around with us for the rest of our lives. But that's the trauma work is one corner of somatic sex education. It, it's, right. it's foundational, uh, but it's also only one aspect of it. Um, one of the, I think, countercultural concepts in somatic sex education is uh, the idea of healing through pleasure. This is a kind of a loaded concept because we have these sort of uh, quasi-theocratic ideas about work. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the Protestant work ethic that's been handed down to us is antithetical to pleasure. In other words, if you're enjoying your work, you're, you're not working. You're not doing it right. Right. Well, those on the, on the Mayflower were, were called Puritans for a reason. Yes. And, and the, the part of our history that gets so disturbingly whitewashed in, in the teaching of the pilgrims uh, coming to America is that they were too extreme for their own country. They got kicked out of their own country because their own countrymen couldn't stand them. (laughs) So they came here and created this incredibly repressive, theocratically based little society that did things like burning women. Right. You know, we're not talking about a progressive bunch of people. We're not talking about people that were oriented in any way towards pleasure or their bodies. Uh, So that's, that's sort of the, 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 the ground upon which this culture was built right and so we still consciously or unconsciously one way or another we hold this in our bodies that that work is supposed to be a grind if you're enjoying it too much in fact if you're enjoying anything too much you're suspect right and and we have all these all these memes about uh 
struggle and you know no pain no gain uh which is i mean i understand the discipline of pushing oneself either physically or emotionally or spiritually or mentally um and that can involve discomfort growth involves discomfort change involves discomfort um and we latch onto the discomfort rather than the growth and the change and all the positive stuff we our our metric has become our level of discomfort right so we are in a sense even though we sell everything in the world commercially based on pleasure or the concept of pleasure we are not a pleasure positive society no well i also say if you look at all the television ads for drugs they're all about taking care of some pain or some sickness that you have. And they show you if you take this drug, then you can have pleasure. Then you can have a fun life. Tom, I would extrapolate that even further. One night I was watching commercial television, which is something I do very, very rarely. And I watched an entire commercial of two women having an orgasm over a corn chip. <laughs> we sell food not for nutritional value, but for fun. Right. We sell food as entertainment. We sell everything as an avenue toward pleasure. So we have created a myth around materialism that it will bring you pleasure. And I can't tell you how many people I work with who have bought that myth that got all the things that had the life kind of that the, they filled the template they checked out all the boxes exactly and they are still not happy and they are, don't know how to access pleasure in their bodies that is so true so a, a big part of somatic sex education is simply helping supporting people to access and receive pleasure in their bodies they have to get through a mountain of shame often simply to receive what their bodies were made for, designed for. We wouldn't have all these incredible pleasure receptors in our bodies if, if they weren't meant to be used somehow. Right. Well, there's interesting there's you know the acronym uh, shame is should have already mastered everything i love that and, <laughs> and within the world of sexuality that really brings up lots of stuff i mean i don't know what i'm doing i'm a kid i don't know and, right i'm doing it wrong right am i doing it wrong am I and, doing and it? you know as because i'm also a couple's counselor and the 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 one question that i hear more than any other when dealing with couples especially around sexual issues is is this normal right you know we we have as a culture we've defined sexuality in in a very very narrow little band of of acceptable activity and anything outside of that we have a label for it it's, it's kink or it's it's bad in some way there's there's always some sort of judgment around it and i view human sexuality as one of humankind's two 
greatest uh, creative endeavors. The range of human sexual behavior is vast, just incredibly vast. It's like a big, huge sandbox. Yeah, and, I love that image. And, and I, I would love for people to be free to express themselves anywhere in that spectrum that's acceptable and negotiated and permissioned. You know what I'm thinking about as you talk about this, one of the pieces of our education in the world of advertising and, and just the world we live in is that you have to look a certain way in order to have pleasure, in order to be sexual. You must be very, very thin, very, very whatever, strong. But and if you have a little, and young, and definitely young, if you happen to be anywhere off that line, you can't have any pleasure. Yeah. Isn't that awful? It is awful. I mean, I mean statistically, I'm not making this up. The people who have statistically rated themselves the most sexually satisfied are over 65. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. I have worked with clients up into their 90s. I have, and I will no longer ever, ever believe any of the garbage that is pumped out about who is supposed to or allowed to be sexual. Right. We, are, we are sexual creatures from the moment we're born till the moment we die. And a lot of dropping sexuality away is choice. Yes. Because we believe the, the garbage that we're taught. Well, now, now that you're talking about that, can you tell us a little bit about how you help someone get beyond this? This is a pile of information, of impressions, of weight that each of us is bringing into your office. How That's true. So, so before before I before I okay. get to that, I just I just want to complete this little sure. uh, the initial question about uh, you know about the kind of work that I do right, about right. somatic sex education. So the what what really I think is the is the is the crown jewel of this work after after we dissolve trauma and after we get to know our bodies and after we get to move through the blocks that are keeping us from pleasure, there is expansion. There is expansion of pleasure. Uh, I, I, find, I find that um, vulva owners, the female population, is probably the least well served by the way we regard uh, sexuality and educate around it. Right. Uh, because in, in a, in a um, cishet, uh, heteronormative uh, culture, generally, um, people are introduced to sex through a partner. Uh, and, and I'm talking here, uh, I, I'm not ignoring uh, all genders here, but I am speaking specifically about the cishet e experience. And when both partners are uninformed or underinformed, um, and we live in a uh, male-led culture, you know, let's call it patriarchally dominant, uh, then sex as an experience usually follows 
the arc of arousal of the male partner, which is very, very different from the female arc of arousal, which is why so many women, when they're, when they're referring to sex or having sex, uh, they're just getting warmed up as their male partner is finishing. And this leads to all kinds of feelings of inadequacy, brokenness. There's something wrong with me. I take too long. Uh, and none of that is true. What is true is that women need time. And their partners don't know this. So, and, and, and they could easily, easily give their partners the generosity and the time that it takes them to get ready and rolling. And they could have a completely different experience. Um, but and, they, and yet, they, and yet they weren't taught or we weren't, I'm not going to say they, none of Right. It's not, they. it's, all, it's all of us. It's yeah. all of us. Our, or an approach, to touch, uh, approach it that way. It was, you know, be, be fast, be quick, be, be strong. And that's your man. Well, that's, that's most of our sex teaching is unfortunately shame-based. Yes. Yes. You know, men tend to learn about sex through masturbation masturbation is shamed it's not oh isn't that lovely that you're pleasuring yourself it's like oh just just get it done you know <laughs> just get it done clean it up get on with your day uh, and they take that at that same approach to uh, a partner right right so you know th there are a lot of couples that they can't. They must have sex in the dark. They don't even take all their clothes off. It's very. It's a very furtive, quick thing, and then they want. Then they end up feeling uh, lacking. And why do they feel so separate? Why do they feel so lonely? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have a partner. I know he loves me, uh, but I somehow feel. Uh, I feel cheated. I feel left out. Sex got built up to be this incredible thing. And I was supposed to wait until marriage. And then it was just going to be blissful. But we both arrived at marriage having done the same thing, which is nothing. And then we learn with each other with an absolute paucity of information available to us and wonder why it's not fulfilling. Right, right. I mean, that's basically crazy. It is. But that's, but that's our model. And that's our model, and it's what has affected, I think, that, and we haven't got the hours to go into it, but I think all of what you're talking about has affected the rest of the life in our, in our world, in our country. Absolutely. So when you ask me about the, the, the pileup of what people bring right. to, to uh, a somatic sex education session, um, this is, this is um, it's delicate work. It's edgy. It's intimate. Uh, we keep a very strong ethical container around it for everyone's protection. We're, we're, we're going into uh, what is possibly one of the most, if not the most vulnerable aspect of our personalities and our bodies. Uh, so there's, there's often a lot to uh, unwind here. Uh, it's, it's not like uh, everybody just comes in and rips their clothes off and throws himself on the table and we have an ecstatic 
two or three hours and they they walk away cured. That's not how it is. Oh uh, my, I figured that must be the way. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that uh, be great indeed? But what I what I found is that is that my my work as a somatic therapist, you know, which is based in the in the work of Wilhelm Reich and based in Freud and has got uh, practically a century of of really great experience and structure around it uh, is a wonderful complement to working with bodies in the realm of the erotic because the the traumas that that hold us back from expanding into the pleasure that our bodies were made for take a while to unwrap right and and we need to be cognizant and respectful of the feelings that are liberated by somatic work they you really have to slow way down and deal with each peace as it arises there's you can't you you can't just blow past things there's there's no there's no shortcuts and that's what i was going to say there's no shortcut it has to be step by step it does it does and everybody shows up with their own sort of unique combination of experiences and and whatever residual trauma there is in their body. Um, and I would also imagine that we that each of us come with our, our armor also. We have uh, put stuff around us to protect us and that has to come off first. Yeah, you're, you know, you're, ta you're talking my language now because the, that language, the language of armoring in the body actually originated with Reich. Mm -hmm. And there's actually more than one type of armor and the where the armor is um, really depends on another another amazing genius level concept that Reich came up with, which was character structure. That how we are put together is a reflection of how we defend ourselves. Yes, yes, of course. And we need those. We need our defenses. You know, I never tell a client, oh, you got to lose your defense. You got to lose your armor because sometimes we need it. Yes. To walk through this world with a completely open heart takes an extraordinary amount of courage uh, that, you know, you might find in, a, in a, 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 a spiritual avatar, maybe. But for most of us, that is just too tough and we need our armor. But uh, what, what, I, what I advocate for is the ability to put it down as needed. It's like when, when a, a warrior comes home from battle, he puts his sword and shield down before he washes his hands and sits at the table. You don't need it there. We That's might what, need it out in the world. You hope you don't need it, definitely. You hope you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And some people do. Yeah. I, I realize that we're... We're speaking for convenience in generalities. Sure, we have uh, to. We have to, just for the sake of time. Uh, but ideally, ideally, you can put that aside when you learn to. It doesn't have to uh, predicate 
every kind of interaction you have in your life. And that those defenses, those places, that armor, actually, while it protects us when we're young, it cuts us off from a lot of life as we grow older. Indeed. And one of the things that occurs to me as I listen here is that in order to do what we're talking about is there's a lot of trust involved to trust and trust the person you're going to. I mean, I, you are a person that I have just met really, but trust. I mean, there's a certain element that you bring to this. And I imagine it's very vital to the work you do where I, one looks and says, I can trust this person. Absolutely. The, I, think, I think two of the most salient needs in this work are trust and safety. Yes. You know, I, I work primarily with, with female clients. And what runs through uh, that population sort of consistently is hypervigilance. Yes. And it's inculcated from very early. And it's a tragedy that they need it. But it's very, very hard to do growth-oriented work with a person who is in a heightened state of survival, mm -hmm. which is what hypervigilance is. Right, right. So the container for somatic sex education is constructed so that it builds trust, it builds intimacy, it builds safety. And I would hope and I would imagine that in that building, you build a container or something safety that they can take out of the office because having opened, you can't just walk out that open into the, into the street. You need, you, you need some protection. Well, you know, I think, I think that's actually um, part of the art of therapy, whether it's somatic sex education or somatic therapy or talk therapy. Right. When, when, you, you're, when you have a client in your office, um, and you're working on this, any kind of deep stuff, it's your responsibility uh, as the therapist, as the educator, to make sure that that person is adequately put back together in the short term to walk out the door and function. Absolutely, absolutely. You can't just leave somebody in pieces and shovel them out the door. And say, bye, see you next week. Yeah, and I think there are probably people that do that, but I don't think that's best practice. No, it's not, obviously. And you've been, how long have you been doing this work, by the way? Uh, I've been doing somatic therapeutic body work for decades. I've been doing uh, somatic therapy since 2007. That's a good long time, yes. So that's a chunk. Yeah, it's a that's chunk. a chunk. Well, uh, here's the situation. We are quickly running out of time. I could talk to you for another couple of hours. Likewise. What you have to say would be fascinating and useful. Uh, is there anything you want to... Well, first, let me make sure I get this in. If someone who is listening to us now would like to be in touch with you, to learn more, to work with you, to whatever it might be, to find more information, how's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, I think the most direct way would be email. Okay. And my email address is my name, Barry Carl, all small case, no spaces, B-A-R-R-Y-C-A-R-L at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, we will put that in. It's in the audio. It'll also be in the written description. Thank you. Uh, 
And now as we are coming to a close here, you've got so much to say, but what can you wrap up about what you'd like to have people to take away from this? That's a good question. Um, I, I, th I think that in, in creating healthier people, happier people, we're creating uh, a more sustainable environment. And I, I hope that anybody who listens to this, um, if they're not already on their own personal journey into pleasure, that they take a step somehow um, because we were, we were designed for pleasure. Pleasure is expansion. Pleasure is healing in ways that people, uh, a lot of people aren't even aware of. So don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Step into it. You can, you can do a lot, of, a lot of powerful healing work in this life through pleasure. That's, that's wonderful information. I thank you so much. And Barry Carl, I thank you for being a guest today and for all of the wisdom that you have brought to this show. Thanks, Tom. It was a pleasure. It's a pleasure having you here.